Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silver Birch Ranch in the north woods of Wisconsin, enjoying another fine day and conversation. I tell you, it's always fun getting together and just hanging out and chit-chatting. I encourage you guys, you know, part of this is, is really the act of conversation and being intentional to have a relationship. And so I know that many of you obviously are listening to this or podcast it on a regular basis, or maybe you just happen to tune in for the first time. But, but uh, I encourage you to, to have conversation with with people around you, um, whether it's people that could be in your small group or at your church or in your Bible study, or maybe it's just a friend or next door neighbor, um, because I think it helps us to, to, to process and to understand and really to hone in on what we know is true and even to, to see and understand who God is in a bigger perspective. Right. You know, I, what, what we need to do is we ended up our last session, we were talking about respectfully listening and respectfully agreeing or disagreeing with people. Yeah. You know, it seems like to me, and I'm older, but it seems like there's mobs that keep forming that want to keep killing each other because they disagree on things. Mm-hmm. Rather than there are some things you're going to just have to disagree on and go on with life. Yeah. And you could do that respectfully, but I'm not sure we even know how to respectfully disagree anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think we should be teaching young people how to respectfully disagree or we're going to be in trouble. Um, there is a musician, I was reading this in the Daily Wire, and it was probably early 19, or 2023, so early, and the Daily Wire was talking about a musician who's a rap artist called M.I.A., and I am not going to try and pronounce her whole name. Her That's actual the, name? Your actual name. You want to give that a try or no? I'm just going to call her Maya for short. Okay. Uh, that's right so you can look up MIA yourself and by the way if you look up MIA we're in I am not saying everything she said is good and I'm not saying I'm not endorsing everything she does I'm just saying let me read what the Daily Wire said MIA and they give the real name there said during an interview with Zane Lowe that she was a practicing Hindu when she experienced a vision that changed her whole perspective now some fans take issue with that Basically, all my fans might turn against me because they are all progressives who hate people that believe in Jesus Christ in this country, she said. Even if it costs me my career, I won't lie. I will tell the truth, and I will tell you what's on my mind and my heart. If I'm coming back now saying Jesus is real, there's a point, MAA continued. The singer previously opened up to Relevant Magazine about her conversion experience prior to that, she thought of Christians as uh, Christianity as a silly story. Right now, I think the only clear thing I can say is that even when I had no belief in Jesus Christ and Christianity, and even when I was 100% comfortable in Hinduism, it was a Christian God that turned up to save me, she told the publication. And I think there's truth in that. During the interview, MIA also discussed how she uses her newfound faith to inform her perspective of the world around the world we live in a world where understanding has to be simplified because our attention span is smaller our ability to think deeply about things is going tolerance is going so many of these qualities are going and i think that's why we need something that's simplified form of understanding she said the more i understand the complexities of the world the simpler i find things really are and funny enough christianity is very simple it's because those things are really simple. The world is really simple. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, wait, I say that all the time. I say that things are simpler than we're making them. And I try, th- this lady is, is quoting me. Yeah. 
and she's an old Hindu that became a believer. Now, some get really, up, you know, worried, oh, she's, she had this vision. It could be about anything. I understand that. But if you go around the world, it isn't unusual in some places for those that are really involved in Hinduism or those in, in some kind of um, other kind of mystic religion to get, to have God give them some kind of vision to, right. to change their course. And so, you know, I'm not God. I'm not going to comment on how she understood that Jesus is God. That is for God and her to sort out. Mm-hmm. Her whole point is she's somebody who wants to change direction in life, who has seen something in her life and come to understand the love of God and wants to respond to it. And people are angry with her. Mm. And, and that's what we were talking about. How do you how do you live in a culture where you can't say, I'm thinking about something different without having people throw stones at you? Yeah. But then I thought, well, you go back all the way in history and you see the early apostles. They thought differently. They got stoned. They got imprisoned. They got, this is a problem all the way humans through history have had. If somebody disagrees with you, you don't know what to do in order to live with them now because you have to have everyone agree with you in order to have harmony. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. No, not at all. You know, one of the fun things in life is to realize that God created people differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I, we work with a lot of young people and we've had people in our midst that are different. Very. Yep. And we actually brings a smile to our face and we kind of look at a way to make that person or help that person thrive in the way that they are. Mm-hmm. To change them into my image is wrong right to change them into your image is wrong mm-hmm. we're trying to create a, a, a heart in them that wants to be in the image of god and and that's what we're looking for yeah and what's what's amazing is the, the hatred that comes when we start challenging what somebody believes and that's what mia is finding out and i guess from what i've read she's somebody who really had um some off center thoughts mm-hmm. um in in her music and in her previous life, so so this might be very dramatic. I don't know. I've never even heard a song that she does, and I, I no, I, I've, I until you mentioned her name, I actually never heard of her. But then know. again, I I'm not necessarily plugged into the mainstream music, yeah, especially rapper side of things. Well, I guess it was over Twitter that the respond the criticism was pretty. Everything's good. over Twitter. It feels like <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea. I have no idea why that matters to anybody what people in an anonymous way say. Yeah. Um, but do your kids, how old is your oldest? He's nine. Are they involved in social media at all? No. No. So is there a time where you're going to say, okay, you know, this is inevitable and we're going to let you be involved? I'm sure it'll come at some point, you know, and, and that's every parent's discussion. It, you know, it's, it's mind-boggling to me, you know, because they come home, even my first grader, who's six, you know, one of his classmates has had a phone since he was five. Really? You know, and so, I mean, every parent has their own reasons and justifications, but I look at that, I'm like, wow. I mean, you look at articles today, you know, we talked about truth, and and more and more research is showing that screen time is harmful developmentally. Like, we just see that all the time. And uh, it's just amazing that, you know, you talk about social media, it's like, man, the more I could put off stuff like that, just because I'm trying to battle the screen time already, you know, and, th- and that's the ironic thing is that sometimes, and we, we hinted at this in the last episode is sometimes this truth is staring us in the face, but we want to find different voices to justify it so that we don't have to listen to the truth. Right. You know, 
Yeah. You know, God made us to be people who actually interact with each other. Yeah. Not sit there and interact with fake people or people who are portraying themselves in a certain way. The, right. the last episode, we did, we talked about how scientists and, and companies will portray themselves in a certain way. Yeah. Now, you know, there may be a lot of truth to some of the stuff that I read. I have no idea. But there may be, it may not be. Uh, for example, there was somebody, now, please, I, I'm not going after this industry. I'm just saying my thought process on it. Yeah. Looking at somebody who built a, a shelf of, of, they must have a thousand essential oils on this shelf. Oh, sure, yeah. All right, now, I actually like essential oils, so don't write me and talk to me about, I, I don't like them because they help anything, as far as I'm concerned. Right. I like them because I like my, my house to smell a little bit like clove. You know, so, I mean, I use it for that. Very nice. I, I, I don't necessarily try and heal my wounds with it or anything sure. else. Um, now, I'm, could they do that? Uh, possibly. I have no idea. Yeah. But but the bottom line is there's all these things said about you combine this, you combine that, you combine that. You, you, you know, you're going to walk on water if you do this. <laughs> and and I thought, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure that that's going to happen or not going to happen. There are some claims made, and, and I, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to go out and buy all that kind of stuff. But before you know it, you know, I'm thinking, I'm missing out. Now, right. I don't, why would I be? I'm not missing out. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need a shelf with a 1,000 essential oils on it. Yet somehow, after I look at that, I feel like I got to go get some essential oils. So it's <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Right. I, there's totally different things that, the kids, your kids growing up are growing up with as a norm that I never even thought about. Yeah. With my kids. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, they're, they're growing up trying to figure out who they are. They're, they're growing up trying to figure out who to listen to. Hmm. When, they're your, when their kids are your age, it's very evident who they listen to, mom and dad. Yeah. Therefore, mom and dad need to make it evident that they're listening to God. Mm-hmm. Because if A equal B and B equal C, A equal C. So what what the kids need to get in their mind is that mom and dad are actually listening to God. So when you listen to mom and dad about truth, they're getting that from God. Yeah. Now, you don't need to tell them that. They need to see it. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you, if you read your Bible, and you should be, do it in a place where if your kids come out, they see you reading it. Yeah. That's all. Yep. Now, you know, you don't even have to preach at that point. You should have a Bible, or however you read it. You might read it on your iPad. You know, I think it's a little harder on an iPad, yeah, or a or electronic device because they might think you're you're scrolling or oh, something. absolutely. You know, and and I and I would affirm that. You know, I would say, you know, even what I said earlier, with the amount of screen time that we have, you know, go out of your way to put the screen down. Whether you got a Kindle, iPad, your phone, like it might be easier. You might have the right Bible app. You might have the read scripture. Whatever it is, just go without it. Yeah. You know, if you want to look at it later, then do it later. You know, then you're in the Bible more. Right. But I, that perception of of being able to to be in the Word, I think, is something that goes a long way. Yeah, and they they just need to see you in it. Yeah. They don't need to hear a lecture every time you're in God's Word. There may be a time where they come and say, what are you reading? You may be able to share with them what you're reading. I would encourage you, though, Jason, as a parent and, and your wife, to every day that when you read something, 
have a have a somehow outlined or written down or journaled so that if your kids ever ask you, you can tell them what you read. Yeah. You know, not great points either, like four words mm-hmm. or one sentence, so that they see that you're not just reading out of this this religious habit where you need to do it so God doesn't strike you with lightning. Yeah. But that you actually read it. I would also encourage you, like during dinner or some other time, you know, I have never been, again, don't write me on this. You might think this is a standard thing that, that families need to have, you know, uh, standard devotions every day. And that's up to you. And I'm all for that if you want to do that. But I think I'm even more for a natural conversation mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. So that talking about the Bible is natural. You don't, you don't like say from 4.30 to 5 every day we have devotions. Now, I'm not against it. I'm just saying then what happens is from 4.30 to 5, we got to have God in our lives, and the rest of the day we don't have that. Right. So I encourage you to make your habit, you're making bread. I know your family makes bread. And, and you're talking about, you know, maybe maybe all of a sudden you start talking about, you know, Jesus says that he's the bread of life. You know, you're making bread. I mean, all of a sudden the kids are going, bread of life. You know I mean? And you could just, it could be three sentences and you go on to something else. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden your, your mind is engaging, your conversation is, 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 it's normal to talk about God. Yeah. Um, this last year, my wife has gone through cancer and um, she has heard of many others now that go through cancer. And it's not unusual for us to start talking about what those people that are just diagnosed with cancer are going to go through. Mm-hmm. That's a normal part of of our life. It's a normal part of our discussion. She's going to now reach out to those people because that's a normal part of who she is now. Yeah. Because she has a soft spot for it. So it's interesting as a parent, what you make normal in your, in your house. Yeah. And I would fully agree with you. Actually, my wife and I were just talking about that this morning, you know, because within our context of ministry, you know, we don't necessarily, you know, a lot of listeners probably go to church on every Sunday. You know, and within camping ministry, there are seasons that we can, and but then there's seasons where, you know, with the way that we function, we have, you know, guests here on Sunday mornings, right. you know, for various lengths of time and all that. And so we were just talking about this morning about being intentional as parents of, of the conversation that you really just had is how do we make it more of a lifestyle decision to teach our boys about, about who God is, right? you know, because we're not going to rely on Sunday school. Or right. the church to do it. Why? Because A, it's not their responsibility to begin with. But B, we're not there enough for them to even get that. Right. You know, and so then we need to make sure that we're doing it in a way that they're getting it every day. Right. Just like they're getting everything else that we're teaching them every day. And so, and that takes intentionality. And the more that we could do that in everyday life, I think the more that it carries over into a lifestyle where they'll actually understand it, live it out, and understand the truth versus compartmentalizing it. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think even comments at times, like there are so many times in ministry because it's ministry where, you know, I didn't plan on this. Now I have to go do this. And w- what has to happen is, I mean, I I can understand saying things like, you know, you couldn't pay me to do this. Yeah. But I'm doing it and I want to do it. And, and those statements, all of a sudden the kid, your, your child, whoever it is, whatever age starts thinking, you couldn't pay me, but I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. What do you get paid for? You know what I mean? All of a sudden, they see it's bigger than ministry. I mean, it's bigger than money. Right. And 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 what you're doing it for is because this is what God's called you. Oh, there is money involved, and if you get money, you're going to be responsible with it. 
Now, again, I don't know when you start having the conversations with your kids about uh, enough to hear about what you do with your money. You, you know, not necessarily tell them what they have to do, but here's what we do with ours. You know, what I mean, and and maybe not amounts totally, but yeah, you, know, you can always talk in percentages, or you can always talk. Once again, the greatest teaching opportunities comes from watching parents. Yeah, from parents being involved in kids' lives. It doesn't come from lecturing them. And certainly, if they come home from school, y- your influence on them, if you're sitting in front of a screen and they're sitting in front of a screen, your your influence is minimal. Yeah. I mean, think about this. I used to be a, a fifth grade teacher. And so I, I once would sit down, not once, often I would sit down with parents who are saying, my, my child, you know, I'm losing them and whatever else. And I'd say, well, let's think about it for a second. What time do they get up in the morning? Okay, they get up and what do they do? Well, they get breakfast and they get on the school bus and they come to school. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so far, you've had minimal influence in their life, yep. right? So, while they're at school, who influences them the most? They look and they say, you? I said, no. Nope. You know, I'm in front of them all day, yes, but their their main influences are their peers for, for the day. Yep. So, whether we like it or not, their main influences are peers. So, now, now in fifth grade, you know, nine, ten-year-olds, whatever, their, their main influences are nine and ten-year-olds. They don't really have a lot of answers. I'm one in my day, there were 30-some students. So, yes, I am an influence, but I'm in with 30-some students. So I'm usually with a smaller group and, and influence them, but not all day. Yep. You know. So, so far, their main influence is kids. At lunch, when they go out for recess, it's, it's their buddies. So they get home, and I say, what do they do? Now, back then, life was a little different. We didn't have electronics. Right. So back then, I said, so they get home, what do they do? Oh, they go out and play with their friends till supper. Okay, so now they're with Nine and ten-year-olds until supper. Okay, then then what happens at supper? Do you eat together? And then there's always a pause. Hmm. Okay, so how long can they be out with their kids, their friends, and play? Well, normally they'll just be in for supper, and then they go back out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when do you influence them? Yeah. When is time where they can be a part of family? Mm Mm-hmm. And and somehow we've lost that along the way. Now now I don't know today it it's different because today the problem is isolation and and getting on screen time and that kind of thing. And so they're still being influenced, but not by mom and dad. They're even in their presence. They're sitting together, maybe in the living room, maybe even by a fireplace. But they've all got their phones out. Right. So they're still not being influenced by mom and dad. What I would encourage you as a as a parent to do is say, who is it? that is ultimately influencing my children the most. Right. And th- and that could be a hard question because I know, you know, the easy option isn't always necessarily the best option. Yeah. You know, so even if you have younger kids that get cranky, the easy option is to hand them the tablet. Right. To shut them up so that way everything else can be calm and you could be done and you can have that conversation. But in the long run, that's what we're talking about isn't necessarily a good thing. Right. And maybe you're listening to the show and, and, and you're denying it. But the reason I say it is because I think it's the more and more I observe parents, you know, and I've done it in the past, you know, sometimes it is easy. And I've been trying to be more intentional about being mindful of even being on my phone or on my boys. Right. Because after, after just seeing research, it's like they just need me yeah. and to play and to yeah. do simple things. You know, and so that's what I'm trying to do. Even if I'm exhausted when I come home from work, you know, sometimes on the walk home from work, I'm like, God, give me the strength 
to run around like a little boy. Yeah. Because that's what they need. Yep. You know, because the easy of being like, oh, I'd like to sit down, relax, talk with my wife for a little bit, you know, but no. Yeah. They're home from school and I get home from work. They want to play. You know, and so I encourage you to, to, to be mindful of that and to, to do that. Why? Because that's what they need. That's what, that's where the life happens. That's where the influence happens. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because I look at you and you're younger than I am and you have kids that need that. And my wife and I will go around camp once in a while. We'll be exercising. We see you running around on a snowmobile pulling them with tubes. And, yeah. and I'm always thinking, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you're out there dragging them around and enjoying yourself. Well, and, and, and maybe that's why God made young people to have that kind of energy. And exactly what you're saying, that's a good thing. That's right. not a bad thing. Um, there's way too much disconnect from family. Right. And, and a lot of it is self-centeredness. If, yeah. if each parent can understand, you were created to serve. That's how God created you. Yeah. He created you to serve those around you. It starts with your family. Right. So as a husband, I'm there to serve my wife. I would encourage you, if you're a husband, every day to do something that physically shows that you served your wife. Yeah. Something. Maybe she hates emptying the garbage, maybe whatever it might be. You all have different relationships. I know that in in my house, one of the things that I do every morning, I make my wife her tea and get her breakfast ready before she's even out of bed and leave it for her. Yeah. Because I, I get up very early so she's not going to be up yet and and i do that on purpose it's part of my reminder that my life is not my own life that that part of what i do is serve and i start with my family i Mm -hmm. serve them so i encourage you mom or dad to look at each member of your family and figure out how is it that i serve them how is it that i can serve them in a way that that builds them up that helps them be who they should be and not just have them serve me because there's often times where you say, I'm in this relationship, it's really about me. I need to have my needs met. Yeah. Well, what about training them to have others' needs met? Mm-hmm. So when your children grow up, they automatically think, I need to care for other people, not other people need to care for me. Yeah. So they need to see that exampled. You know, I get excited when my daughters who are adults and they're in their, their adult life and but I get excited when I see them wanting to serve the, the groups that they work with. And and they keep doing that. And I go, good for you. And I mean, that's what you should learn. But I remember them growing up. You know, we worked at youth clubs. We worked at camp. We worked. At, we were always out there serving. You're going to come with me. We're going to go do this. If I had to drive a ski boat, which which isn't hard for kids to join you on. Right. It's like, come on, I got to go drive the ski boat. You can go sit with me. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Dad, just come sit with me. Why? You're going to see how we serve. Yeah, it's just a part of doing something together, and it's not that I have to isolate my world from you. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, if I'm if I'm in some other industry where you can't bring your kids, that's that's different. Yeah, but in in ministry, oftentimes you can have them around you at least, and it, it's have them observe respectfully right. at certain times and learn learn what that's about. So. Again, modeling is the most important thing you can do. And modeling by, you know, to show you how people can change, I have gone to where I actually prefer reading on an iPad. Wow. Yeah, I prefer that. However, if I I am ordering books in paper so that when people are around me, I can pick up a book. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It's not, I would actually prefer the iPad. And here's why. 
I can adjust the type. I'm an older person. I can adjust it to where I can read it. I can adjust the brightness to where I can read it just fine. I can also have the highlights immediately to a place where I can print them. Yeah. Where otherwise I just have them in a book and I have to go back and look at them. So for me, it's like efficient, efficient, efficient. I'm going to read on the iPad. So if it's just my wife and I, I will I'll read on the iPad. She knows what I'm doing. She knows I'm not just looking on social media. I'm actually yeah. the same as reading a book. However, if somebody's at the house, I won't do that. Mm-hmm. I'll pick up the book if I'm reading. Yeah. Well, I want them to see it's a book. Right. Because I think, again, all of us give people triggers. It's like if I'm on my iPad and they're over and they're talking to my, maybe they're not even there to talk to me. They're talking to my wife and they see me the whole time I'm on my iPad. Right. They're making the assumption that you're just. Whatever they do on their iPad, they're, they're, yeah. So, so now how do I, I think once again, we don't think enough about how we influence the kids around us, the young people around us. Yeah. You know, um, I love watching my wife. She, she is always aware of children and always aware of what they saw. Mm hmm. Because if I'm walking home, she will tell me, do you know this person was there and you said this? Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, said what? You know? <laughs> oh, like, totally. Uh, and, I, and let me tell you, as a, as a dad of three young boys, they watch everything yes, that everybody do. does. Yes, and they, they pick do. up on it. And not only that, oftentimes they repeat it. Right. You yeah. know, and that's just, they're sponges. Yep. That's just what they do. I remember a few years ago, we were eating in the dining hall. There was a boy there, and his dad was, I was eating with his dad. And uh, the boy had broccoli on his plate, and he wouldn't eat it. And I just noticed over there, and, and so I, I pretended I wasn't paying attention to the boy. I just looked at the dad and said, you know what? And I took, and I flexed my arm, it, I flexed my, my bicep muscle, and I pointed to it and said, I eat broccoli. That's all I did. And his dad just snickered, you know, it's like, I know what you're doing. Yeah. But his kid ate the whole plate of broccoli. <laughs> I believe and, it. And, and the funny thing is, I didn't lecture him. No. I didn't say anything. I just pointed to a muscle yeah. and said, I eat broccoli. And all of a sudden, something he wouldn't eat. It, yep. it was now history, and he ate it ever since then. That's hilarious. Um, and that's the kind of power, if you want to call it, that example has. Yeah. You don't. It would have been a totally different outcome if I would have lectured the kid on broccoli. broccoli. Right. But just to creatively say, broccoli does something good for you, I can show you, because I eat broccoli. And now all of a sudden it became an acceptable thing. It's now, a, now he's probably wondering why he doesn't have muscles like you. <laughs> no, no, not now. No, I'm sure. I'm sure he's, he's probably glad he doesn't have muscles like oh. me at this point. Uh, but it's one of those things where, I, you know, parents, you are ultimately responsible for your children. And the greatest thing you can do is set an example. When they're around you, set the example. Because, yeah. you know, let's say your, your child's with you 18 years. Well, you have 18 fall seasons with them. Yeah. And then your major influence is over. Mm-hmm. So take that seriously. Yep. And I would say that any relationship takes intentionality. Whether you are a son, a brother, um, a father, a mother, a sister, whatever it is, be intentional in relationships. It's not always the easy thing. In fact, many times it's not. But 
the work pays off. And I tell you, it's it's very much worth it. And so I just want to leave you with that thought today. Unfortunately, we're out of time here on Younger and Older. I encourage you to head over to silverbrushranch.org and you can um, check out not only all that we do here, but you can re-listen to other podcasts. But for now, this is Jason and Dave on Younger and Older. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.